Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. You know, sometimes people say stupid stuff like, well, what did Jesus ever do? You know, he didn't change the world. Oh, really? You bet he changed the world. He changed the universe. He changed everything. He conquered death. He is the resurrection and the life. And as he said right here, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his series, Jesus Encounters. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, as he examines an encounter between Jesus and those who grieve. Now, here's Pastor Brian. No one disagrees that there's something wrong with the world. Actually, most people, of course, agree that there are many things wrong with the world. Yet, out of all that's wrong in the world, there's nothing we sense to be more wrong than death. And there's nothing that's caused more grief than death. And of course, that has just been the, the case from the very beginning, and it, it never changes. You know, the, the interesting thing, when you think about death, you know, as, as human beings, we adapt pretty well to things. And, you know, you, you would think that, you know, even very difficult things, eventually you adapt to them. But, but death is the one thing that we never do adapt to in the sense that we never just accept that it is what it is. It, it always seems so wrong to us. The big question as we consider death and the grief that it causes is who can bring an end to this wrongness, this, this thing that's just so wrong? Who can bring an end to it? Who could, could ever put things right to where we don't have to have this experience of grief any longer? And, you know, the truth of the matter is it's already been done. And the story right here, among other stories in the Bible, tell us that it's Jesus who has put things right. And what we see in this story is what Jesus did then, but it's also a picture, a prophetic picture of what he will ultimately do in regard to those who die and those who grieve. So what I want to do as we've been doing here, I want to just sort of walk us through the text. And there are a number of different things I want to look at. And what I want to start with, though, is looking at something that comes out here in the story that we don't always think so much about. But what comes out in the story is a picture of both the deity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus. Now, the Bible teaches that Jesus is the God-man, meaning that he is fully God and he's also simultaneously fully human. He's not part God and, and part man. He's not God in the disguise of a man, but he is fully God. And at the same time, he is fully man. Now, one of the reasons why it's important to understand that is because it helps us understand his compassion and his mercy and his 
ability to be compassionate with us. So Jesus, here in the story, we see both his deity and his humanity. Now, as I said, in his dealings with the two sisters, these two aspects of his nature come out. So let's look first at his dealing with Martha. And as he deals with Martha, we're going to see that it's more of the deity in the sense that what he does with Martha is he speaks truth to Martha. What he does with Mary is different. He doesn't really speak anything to Mary. You know what he does instead? He just enters into her sorrow. He enters into her grief. So for, for Martha, he speaks truth. For Mary, he kind of speaks tears, as Tim Keller put it. That, that was the, the way that he spoke. And so as we see with Martha, and, and really quick before we jump into this, let me just say, Martha and Mary, who appear here, and, and we see them interacting with Jesus, there's another place in the Gospels where we also see another interaction with Jesus. And I think it's important to understand their personality in the background. Luke tells us another story about these two sisters. And what he tells us is that there's a certain time where Jesus goes into their home and he's there teaching. And Martha, she is off in the kitchen, presumably, you know, dealing with dinner or cleanup or whatever. And Mary is sitting down at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to him talk. And at a certain point, Martha comes in angry. She burst in and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things. Mary has chosen the better part and it's not going to be taken from her. So that's, that's kind of the backdrop for the two women and their different personalities. So we pick up in verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem. It was about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, and I think it was in this tone, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Martha, like her personality was, she met Jesus, and I think very confrontationally at this point. I mean, after all, they sent a message to Jesus much earlier, but he didn't come. And so Martha is, she's upset. And, you know, just on a bit of a side note here, one of the things this shows us is that God can handle us being upset. You know, it's okay. There, there are times when our circumstances are such that, uh, you know, we might just feel like, you know, Lord, I, I don't get this. And we have biblical precedent for it. The psalmist said stuff like that many, many times over. Jeremiah the prophet on one occasion, he says, Lord, you tricked me. You know, you, you fooled me into doing this. And I, I'm never going to speak in your name again. That's it. I'm done. And of course, he moved on from that. But, but my point is, you know, Mary is not happy here with Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, 
the son of God who is to come into the world. Because of her disposition, Martha needed to be reminded of the truth. And oh, what a great truth. I'm really glad that Jesus spoke to Martha. I'm really glad that she approached him in this way because it gave Jesus the opportunity to say in what is, in my opinion, the most profound thing Jesus ever said. And that's a a pretty serious statement there because Jesus said many, many profound things. But to me, to say this, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, Martha, she's thinking, she's, of course, Jewish. She knows from the scriptures there's going to be a resurrection someday way out in the future. Who knows how long that's going to be? She says, Lord, I know my brother's going to rise again then. Jesus says, Martha, you don't get it. I'm the resurrection. It's not this event that's going to happen out there that's going to raise your brother. It's me that's going to raise your brother. And when that event does happen out there, it's going to happen because of me. So Jesus here makes claims that no one else has ever made. I am the resurrection and the life. He speaks truth to Martha. Now, let's go to Mary. So as we go to Mary, and we'll pick up in verse 32, then when Mary came where Jesus was, she and saw him, notice a different posture. She fell down at his feet. So Martha seems to come confrontationally, sort of a, you know, standing there with Jesus. Why didn't you come? Mary comes and she falls at his feet, saying to him, Lord, now look, notice she says the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I think her tone was different. I mean, she's at the feet of Jesus. She's just like she always is. You know, it's almost like Mary, her personality is a personality that needs an explanation. You know, some people are like that. Some people need an explanation and some people don't need an explanation. They just need someone to enter into their experience with them. And so we see Jesus doing both things here. And this is where we see his humanity. So look what happens. So Jesus, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, again, look at what he says to Martha and look at what he does with Mary. He doesn't say anything. He just weeps. He just enters in. Now, of course, Jesus was not weeping because of the the circumstances that were, you know, irreversible, because obviously Jesus knew that in just a few moments, all of this sorrow was going to be turned to joy because he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that. But yet he enters into the moment with Mary. He enters into her grief. He enters into her suffering. And he there with her, he sees all of this and he weeps. And then it says this in verse 36, it says, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this, this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Now, Notice in verse 33 and now in verse 38, it says twice that Jesus groaned. This is really an interesting word. And I don't know why the, those who translated the Bible into English, I don't know why they 
translate it this way here. This, this same word is translated differently in other places. The word means more literally, it means to be filled with anger or to be filled with indignation. Uh, the word is a combination of words and one part of the word actually is used in another context, not in the, in the scriptures, but it's, it's used in Greek to refer to a snorting, angry bull. So here you have two times it said regarding Jesus that he groaned in his spirit. Jesus is angry. Who's he angry at? Well, he's certainly not angry at Martha and Mary. He's not angry at the people around him. Who is he angry at? He's angry at death. He's angry at sin. He's undoubtedly probably angry at Satan who brought this whole mess into existence. And what we see here, among other things, we see Jesus is having a confrontation with the powers of darkness. He's having a confrontation with death itself. And in the face of it, as he sees the brokenheartedness, as he sees the suffering, as he sees the grief, he's angry. But you know, Jesus gets angry and it's good because he does something about it. He doesn't just get angry and then, you know, he doesn't walk away just you know, he's, he's angry and that's it. No, Jesus is going to confront death head on here. And so we see that that's exactly what he does. He then said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, the one who said, we know that you're the Christ. I know that you're the Christ who has come into the world. But Jesus says, take away the stone. And she says, Lord, that's not a good idea. By this time, there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Everybody knows the body has already been, the body's already decomposing. And so Martha, even though she believes the essential thing that Jesus is the Christ, of course, she doesn't have any idea what the Lord is going to do here. I'm sure like in so many cases that we see in the Bible, the very thing that the Lord did was just completely unexpected. Nobody thought this. Lord, what do you mean? Roll away the stone. Move. The, the body's already decomposing. Why, why would we do that? It's almost like, well, why would we want to do that? But what does Jesus say? He says, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, remember those of you who have read your New Testament, you know, this is not the first person that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus earlier raised a young girl from the dead up in Galilee, in uh, Capernaum, the, the daughter of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He raised her from the dead. But remember, he said about her, he said, she's not dead, she's asleep. And they, they mocked him. They laughed him to scorn. They knew that she was dead, but he just woke her up. 
that was up in the north, in, in sort of the middle of the country, Nain, as Jesus is coming down, uh, they, they pass a procession and there's a, a young man who's being led out to be buried. His coffin is passing by. He's the, the son of a woman. He's her only son. She's a widow. Jesus says to them, stop. He comes over, he touches the young man and he raises him up and he re- restores him to his mother. Then six days before the Passover, so a little while after this, Jesus came to Bethany again. He'd apparently left between now and then. Now he's come back. Uh, and listen to what it says. Where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made a supper and Martha served and Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Where in the history of the world, in any recorded account of life on planet earth, have you ever read about a guy who was dead and now he's sitting at the table having dinner? You don't read that anywhere because it never happens. People die, guess what? They stay dead unless Jesus is around. If Jesus is around, it's a different story. Now, Lazarus, Lazarus is for us, he's a picture. He is a picture of the future of all who believe. All who believe in Jesus will likewise one day rise again. The only difference between Lazarus and those who will rise again in the future is that Lazarus rose again, uh, rose from the dead, but then he died again. But those who rise again now will rise to never die again. But this is what we have to remember. You see, in the face of death, being surrounded by this, and it's the inescapable reality that we all live with, that we are going to die, that the people around us are going to die, the people that we love and care about, they are going to die. But yet, for those who believe in Jesus, they're going to live again. They're going to live again, just like Lazarus lived again, and just like he sat at the table So remember that one passage where Jesus said he's speaking to uh, Israel, the nation, and he's, he's lamenting the fact that they're rejecting him. He says, many will come from the east and the west, and they will sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out. That was because Israel was rejecting him. But, he, but he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've been dead for centuries at least from the human standpoint, Jesus said, oh no, they're very much alive. And there's coming a time when everybody's going to sit down just like they did with Lazarus here at the table and enjoy a great feast together. That's the future. That's what we know to be the reality because of who Jesus is and what he did. And let's remember, as we look at this, you see, Jesus makes this extraordinary claim, unlike nothing we've ever heard, He doesn't just say, I'm the resurrection and the life. What does he do? He proves it. He calls Lazarus out of the grave. But then even more powerfully than that, just a short time later, he will himself be in a grave because he's died on a cross. But what happens? He rises up from the grave. And remember, he told the men of his generation, he told them this would be the ultimate proof of his authority. They asked him when he cleansed the temple, they said, who gave you this authority? to do this. And Jesus said, destroy this temple. He was speaking of his body. And in three days, I'll raise it. That's my authority. So Jesus doesn't just claim he's the resurrection. 
he proves he's the resurrection by raising Lazarus and by rising from the dead. So Lazarus, in Lazarus, we see the future of all who believe. We also receive hope for those who grieve because your loved ones are not dead. They're sleeping. Their bodies are asleep, but their spirits are present with the Lord. And and this is the reality. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He meant that. We don't die. We call it dying because we're just so used to referring to it like that. But Jesus says, no, those who live and believe in me, they never die. When you take your last breath on earth, you are simultaneously taking your first breath in heaven, so to speak. I don't know if we even breathe there, but if we need to, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? You, you just transition. It's like a hallway. You're, you're walking you know, from one room, this earthly life. Here's a room and you exit the room. You go down the hallway, you open the door and you walk into eternity. That's what death is. And so for those that have lost loved ones and oh, it, 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 it's so painful. But like Paul said, we do sorrow. Of course we sorrow just like Mary did, just like Martha did. And Jesus understood that he entered into the sorrow. He wept but we don't sorrow like those who have no hope. This is not the end. With Jesus, there's a future, and it's a future beyond the grave. With Jesus, there is the promise of a reunion where we will be reunited to never be separated again. That's what Jesus brought into the world. You know, sometimes people say stupid stuff like, well, what did Jesus ever do? You know, he didn't change the world. Oh, really? You bet he changed the world. He changed the universe. He changed everything. He conquered death. He is the resurrection and the life. And as he said right here, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And oh, how we thank God for Martha and for Mary and for Lazarus. And what was true for them that day is true for us today and will always be true. I talked to several people this morning already. We've had two services, right? I've talked to several people who said to me something like, you know, my son died a while back and this message has brought so much encouragement to me. It's brought so much comfort to me. And that's what the truth does, the truth of the resurrection. I'm going to close with this. My, my mom, well, my grandfather died many, many years ago. My mom had lost her mom when I was two, and she was just 20. And when her dad died, she was very, very sad about that for quite some time. And she told me that one day in, you know, just kind of her ongoing grief, she said one morning she woke up and she just had this passage of scripture in her mind. She didn't even know what it was. And it was 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 8. So she, because it was in her mind, she went and she opened her Bible and she read it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that word just brought her peace. That she knew that everything was okay with her dad. That he was present with the Lord. And that's the hope that we have. That's the truth that we go through life with. And that's the comfort that we find for ourselves. And it's the comfort we share with others.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. One of my favorite newer authors is Rebecca McLaughlin. She wrote the book Confronting Christianity a few years back, which was the book of the year at the time. And she's done a new book called Confronting Jesus. And in it, she is looking at nine encounters that people had with Jesus and answering really important questions that people are asking today. So I can't recommend Rebecca enough. She just does an excellent job. And I know you're going to appreciate this book, Confronting Jesus, by Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with a Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Jesus by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series, Jesus Encounters. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.